You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Good morning. My name is Eric Hegg. I'm one of the elders here at Elevation Community Church. Thank you for joining us this morning. I know there's other places that you could be, and you chose to be here, and uh, we don't take that lightly, so thank you for joining us. Uh, The series that we are in, God's Church, Our Roles, has been a series where each one of us elders are taking one of the areas that we're shepherding, and we're talking about that and, and explaining the importance and how that we shepherd there. For example, Kevin opened the series and uh, talks about shepherding in prayer and leading prayer here in our church. Brian also did an awesome job sharing his heart e-kids. Joe is going to share a message on his shepherding and worship. All very important things. Most importantly, when Greg gets a chance to share with us, it's going to be about coffee. Very, very important stuff. Now, obviously, I say that in jest. Um, Greg is super important to what we do here. We certainly couldn't, certainly couldn't do it without him. But I, you know, at the risk of using the word envy, I kind of looked at, at their messages and say, wow, there are opportunities to prepare hearts for altar calls there with that message. And the thing that I'm responsible for shepherding is facilities and safety. But that's what God laid on my heart, and uh, that's what we will prepare our hearts for. But the concept with shepherding, uh, it's something that I, I want to take a, a bit to dissect a little bit. I grew up on a sheep farm raising sheep, so I'm pretty familiar with what that entails. Uh, not necessarily in a biblical sense. I didn't spend a lot of time with the staff standing out in the pasture watching over them, but nonetheless, a lot of the other responsibilities that comes to a shepherd I am very familiar with. So, In terms of what does a shepherd do for the flock, well, they watch over the flock, they protect the flock, they provide for the flock, ensure that they are comfortable. So I look at that and I say, well, that's really not all that different than what leadership here at ECC does. If we are going to proceed with the metaphor that the the flock of sheep is, is our congregation, our congregants, and that the shepherds here are those folks who have been given the responsibility of leadership roles. So we have some responsibility to you. So the way I grew up shepherding wasn't so much out in the pasture, but we had a barn that the sheep were in for at least the rough months of the year. So if we're going to proceed there, then our barn must be this church building, right? The facilities that we've been given to be able to join in. So going any farther with this, I really wanted to dig into scripture, and um, there's a lot of it today. So hopefully I made enough copies as you came in. Hopefully there were copies of just a little quarter page with the scriptures that we're going to be using this morning. If, If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, you're welcome to do that. But everything that I've referenced there is going to be on screen, so don't feel like you have to continually be flipping through. So I dig into what are the biblical connections for us even having a church building? 
Is that one of those odd Western things that, that we invented in our faith? So I do know that David wanted to build a church building. He wanted to build a temple for God. And prior to that, um, God was still residing in the same tent, so to speak, that he had been since Moses' day, that same tabernacle. And it was over 400 years that that was God's home here on earth, was in that tabernacle, in that tent. And the interesting story here is David's kind of, he got sitting around, he's kind of done all of the hard stuff that he was tasked with initially, so to speak. And he's sitting around enjoying his cedar palace and he says to his prophet Nathan, Nathan, come over here. Nathan, I want to tell you something. I have a thought. I would like to build a temple for God. Actually, if we could go to this next slide, I'll just go ahead and start, start into studying this. I don't know if, if you guys get into studying scripture, if you ever find any of it funny or if I'm just weird like that, but I... I studied some of this in preparation for this message, and some of it I just, I just laughed for days about. So we're looking at 2 Samuel 7 here. Um, we've got verses 1 through 3 on the screen. When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest for all the sur- from all the surrounding enemies, he summoned Nathan. He said, look, I'm living in this beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is living outside in a tent. And that's all he says about it, at least that we have record of in Scripture. And Nathan, being David's faithful servant, says, Hey, I'm not sure what you got planned, but you're David, and you're clearly anointed, so have at it. Let's go on to the next slide there. However, that night, God comes to Nathan, and he says to them, This is what the Lord has declared. Sorry, go and tell my servant David. This is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I've always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I've never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders. The shepherds of my people Israel... I've never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Go on to the next one. Now, go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone. I've destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. And I will make your name as famous as anyone who's ever lived on this earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people, Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people, Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you. It is ironic. Because David just offered to make a house for God. However, in this case, God is saying, a dynasty of kings. When you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name. 
And I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. Now, that's very interesting. Because David just said, didn't even really say it out loud. He said, Nathan, I live in this cedar palace and God lives in a tent. That's all he said. But God heard David's heart. God knew what he was thinking. He knows what you're thinking. And God's response was this. No, David, you're not going to build me a house. I will make your house permanent for Israel. One of your descendants will sit on the throne for all time. Now, kind of in our our Western thinking, I was kind of expecting David to be like, man, I... God, I just really want to build you a house. Why are you, why are you rejecting me like that? But that wasn't David's response. David's response was this. King David went and he sat before the Lord and he prayed. He said, who am I, O sovereign Lord? What is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else you speak of, Your servant, you're giving me a lasting dynasty? Do you deal with everybody this way? Has anybody else been given anything more than what they asked for from the Lord? So yes, he does deal with everybody this way. What more can I say to you, God? You far exceeded my expectations. You know what your servant is really like. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is nobody like you. We have never ever heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever. And may your name be honored forever so that everybody will say, The Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel, and may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. I I love this. I love reading anything David says, because his heart for God is so pure. Now, if you know anything at all about David, he wasn't perfect, and he did have his share of falls. But he loved God with all of his heart. And because of his pure heart for God, God chose to bless him and to make his family a dynasty. Now, there's so much about this I'd really love to dig into and study, but we kind of have to pick up the pace because they've only given me so much time, and and e-kids will probably be bursting at the seams if I did everything I wanted to do this morning. 
But I want to skip ahead a little bit to just exactly how the, uh, the temple came to be. David served out his reign, and Solomon took the throne, and there was a lot of process there of the planning and preparation and building of that temple. But when the temple was completed, Solomon dedicated it. And it was, as God said it would be, God came to Solomon Actually, this was Solomon's prayer of dedication. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I have been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all of this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For you are God, O sovereign Lord. Your words are truth, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you have spoken... And you grant and you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord. It is an eternal blessing. Let's go to the next one. And then God now is saying to Solomon, "I have heard your prayer and your petition. I have set this temple apart to be holy. This place you have built." where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness, as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father David, one of your descendants will always sit at the throne of Israel But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the commands and decrees I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, wait, I thought this was a nice message. And then I will uproot Israel from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make Israel an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled and will gasp in horror and they will ask, what did the Lord, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be, because his people abandoned the Lord their God, who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and they worshipped other gods instead and bowed down to them. This is why the Lord has brought disaster on them. My reasoning for bringing this up to you This, isn't, this building isn't necessarily the temple that Solomon built. But I think we run the risk of some of the same consequences if we take our eyes off what really matters. So I just I want to lead you in a brief prayer on that because this, this hit my heart heavy when I read this. <clears throat> God, this is your building. It's not ours. We've got the keys to it, but you can change the locks anytime you want. You provided this building for us. The ones who planted this church were in your favor. You provided this building for them. God, I ask that you just, you keep our eyes laser focused and you keep our hearts pure and focused on you no matter what season may bring ECC. 
God let us not follow any man, any doctrine, any denomination, or anything that even smells like religion. God, we just want you. Amen. Changing gears a little bit. There's going to be several times in this message where it's going to feel like I changed lanes without signaling. I apologize for that. I'm I'm going to try to go two telephone pole lengths with my signal on before I make that turn. That's, That's what the law says approximately. But I wanted to set the stage for how the concept of a church building came to be and that that covenantal relationship between the kingdom of David, the dynasty of David and God, and how that still, I believe, in part applies to us today. I want to transition into building stewardship. Part of shepherding isn't just taking care of the flock, but it's taking care of the building that we invite the flock to join us in. So we have an obligation to make sure that you guys are safe and comfortable when you're here worshiping with you. And interestingly enough, the early church didn't know anything about comfort or safety. They were often martyred for their beliefs. And those even today in the Eastern church are living exactly the way they did 2,000 years ago. So even on days when the HVAC isn't exactly operating as it should, and I'll address that again here soon, or when days when the parking lot isn't quite as clear as we hoped it would be, I still hope that we have gratitude in our hearts for how good God is for us. These facilities were built somewhere in the mid-90s, and we do need to be good stewards of them. And if you could bring up Psalms 24 there, yes. The earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. The world and all its people belong to him. I think this applies to building stewardship. If you could bring up the next scripture, I want to talk about them at the same time. If you are faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Our building's aging. Um, We've replaced HVA systems. And starting tomorrow, they're going to start replacing another one. Praise the Lord. And we might say, well, you know, I wish our building was this. I wish the facilities could be renovated. I wish some of the rooms were bigger. I wish it fit our needs a little better. And those aren't necessarily incorrect observations, but if we expect God to ever provide a way for anything that we dream of, we've got to be faithful with what we've got. We have to. That requires, that requires the body to lend a hand when we need them. That requires resources. Other things that we've added to our, uh, our facilities here lately was the parking lot lighting. The, the gentleman responsible for this asked that he remain nameless, but he's my hero. If you guys have been here at night lately, you can play a ball game in the parking lot. It's good stuff. And it's safe. That's the most important thing. The lighting system that we had wasn't safe. It didn't come on when it was supposed to. A lot of the lights were burnt out. 
and leadership was concerned and uncomfortable with our congregants coming here for evening things, so we prioritized that to make sure that anybody who was here at evening for any reason felt safe in doing so. Changing lanes again. Beyond the facilities, we have a responsibility to your specific safety and responding to your needs while we're here. And occasionally, there's medical situations that we have to respond to. The shepherd cares for sheep when they're injured. And we were all created in God's perfect image. So these vessels that he gave us, though in our own eyes, they seem pretty imperfect and flawed, but they're not. Because he made these vessels. And God doesn't make junk. He designed these vessels originally to last forever. But when man fell, that design had to be changed a little bit. And these vessels were given a shelf life. And I like to think that was intentional so that when we would find the end of the functionality of our vessels, that's where we have no choice but to find him, if we haven't already. Because if we never have any discomfort here on earth, what do we need him for, right? So if we can learn to rejoice in those things that sometimes we feel are very painful, it's an opportunity to press into him. And sometimes the, if you could, I think I have another, yes, thank you, Psalms 139. I love this one. I just, this scripture overwhelms me to the point that I realize that even before creation, before he separated the waters from the sea, God knew my name. And I love how the psalmist puts it here. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. And how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. And I know that we've, we've got a lot of folks in our church body who have aches and pains and are struggling with medical issues. Or my prayer for you is just wrap your arms around these three verses here. I know that God knit you together and he loves you. And he saw you that day that you were being made. That was his workmanship. And that's a beautiful thing. Sometimes these vessels that God knit together, sometimes they, they glitch in a way that requires medical attention. And I want to urge you to, as a congregation, to not worry. We've got lots of wonderful volunteers with various levels of medical training that are here to assist until we can get that individual to the proper medical care that they need. And you guys are all awesome, loving people, and you, and you want to say, well, you know, what can I do? What can I do? Don't do anything. Unless somebody with uh, one of these green badges specifically asks you to do something, you don't have to do anything. We got this. This is what we train for. What you can do is this. Pray. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. 
And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Elders, no elders, it doesn't matter. If you belong to the Lord, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Lion of Judah is in your heart. And everything that Jesus did on earth and his disciples were taught to do, you can do. Everything. Jesus said, the miracles that you've seen and even more, you've got the power to do. So in these medical emergencies that sometimes happen, let's pray. Just pray, pray, pray. Your prayers are valuable, church. The next thing I want to share with you is something that's a little bit harder. But this is a very important shepherding responsibility. Growing up, I... We didn't have a lot of this, but occasionally we did have predators preying on the flock. And you have to respond to that. Not only do you have to respond to it, but you've got to have a plan before that happens. And this was probably the hardest part to prepare for. And I, I think it's a really bad idea when you search for scriptures that already fit what you believe. Because you're trying to wrap God's word around what you already think. And that's not how that's supposed to work. You need to wrap truth around scriptures because when you do that, then truth will take the shape of God's word and that's never wrong. Now, it's possible that we can disagree on certain things and I don't want to shy away from those conversations nor do I want to shy away from speaking certain truths from the pulpit. I think it's really important that we're transparent and to speak truth no matter how uncomfortable it can be. Now what the scripture says about when predators prey on the flock, I I almost always cite New Living Translation. That's what I read the most. Occasionally I'll pull from King James. But when I I found 2 Samuel 17, 32 through 37, I, I read several different versions of it. And this is another one that I just laughed about. So to set the stage here for where we're at, Saul is the king of Israel, and Goliath is terrorizing the armies, and nobody in the army of Israel is willing to step up to Goliath. So David brings rations to his brothers who were serving in the military. Now David wasn't in military age, we don't really know how, how old he was at that point, but probably no older than 15. Maybe as young as 10. We don't know for sure. But what I love about David, I don't think he ever knew fear. I think the reason why he never knew fear is because he knew God. David's making an appeal to Saul like, hey, hey, I'm your guy. I'm your guy right here. Let me at him. Saul's like, no, no, you're not. But let's look at this dialogue. Master, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. And Saul responds to him, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been at this fighting thing since before you were born. David is not deterred. He says, look, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it. I'd knock it down. I'd rescue the lamb. And if that sucker turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, I'd wring its neck and kill it. 
Lion or bear, it makes no difference, I killed it. And I'll do the same thing to that Philistine pig who's taunting the troops of God alive. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. (laughs) Saul says, okay, have at it, young buck. (laughs) Saul wasn't convinced at that point, but he knew there was no deterring this young spirited man. Saul really had no idea what was going to happen. I'm sure he expected they would be dragging what was left of David off the battlefield. But I love this. David knew no fear. When he walked up to the lions, he probably saw how tall Goliath was. It didn't make any difference to him. There are physical and spiritual lessons to be learned by this. Now, applying that today for Elevation Community Church, I don't think at this point we need to worry about lions or bears. I don't think there's a lot of them in our ecosystem. But we do need to worry about Satan. He attacks us spiritually in ways that we can't see, which has applications here. But he also attacks us physically by using people. He's a user. And I want to make sure that you folks understand that nothing that I have said or am going to say is meant to cause fear at all. If you're uncomfortable, I'm okay with that. We'll talk that out. But I want you to understand that this, I'm not up here fear-mongering. I'm up here sharing truth. Because if I'm not sharing truth, I'm not doing what I've been asked to do. Since 1980, over 100 people have lost their lives to a shooting in a house of worship. Christian church, synagogue, mosque, doesn't matter. We're talking about just in the United States, where it's supposed to be safe. A hundred people. Now those losses represent 14 instances. That's an average of seven lives lost per attack. So why? Why did this happen? Well, the chief reason is always about hatred. Hate for another person. Hate sometimes even for themselves. Hate for ideas they don't agree with. Mental illness oftentimes is another one. Mental illness is another scheme of the enemy. Revenge is another reason that was cited in these attacks. They hurt me, I'm going to make them pay. The church is a soft target. But it shouldn't be. If there's a hundred people in here and each one of you have the Lion of Judah in you, do you tell me how that's solved? It's not. This is real, but what do we do about it? We prepare. We prepare for things. When you guys are going into other seasons in your life, don't you pray ahead of time? These kind of things are no different. Preparation, I want to make sure we understand, does not equal a lack of faith. Those two things don't go together. Preparation is not a lack of fear or a lack of trust. What I want you guys to know, and I can't tell you everything, there's not enough time, is that our safety ministry prepares a lot. 
We prepare for things that we pray that we'll never see. We pray that when we meet, we're wasting time. Just as law enforcement does. Just like I would assume and I would hope most of you have a smoke alarm or a fire extinguisher in your house. And you hope you never need it, don't you? This is no different. This conversation reminds me of the parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids. This is Jesus talking, by the way. Who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, they were roused by a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others said, we don't have enough for everyone. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to get more oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, they went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But the Lord called back, believe me, I don't know you. And so you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day or the hour of my return. Now, yes, I understand that this parable is about the return of King Jesus. But there are applications here beyond that. It's about preparation. Those five virgins didn't prepare, did they? And they missed it. And I'm sure they were grieved. So, if the shepherds of Elevation Community Church, if we don't prepare, then we're not serving you. We're not being good shepherds. Remember what I said in the beginning. A shepherd protects and it provides. That's our responsibility. A congregation without an emergency prevention plan is like a flock without a sheep. Sorry. It's like a flock of sheep with no shepherd. Can you imagine in biblical times or or any other time for that matter, sheep just being out in the wide open range with no fences or anything with no shepherd? Not going to last long. We need shepherding and we need shepherds with a plan. So the next thing that we need to wade into here is a justification for means. And the farther I get into this conversation, the more I would expect some pushback from certain people. So again, I, get, I dig into scripture. I hold everything that I think I believe up to the light. And if the light don't shine through it, it's trash. We've got to get rid of it. So I hold what we do up to the light with an open heart and an open mind. And here's what I found. This is Luke 22. To set the stage here, Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room for the last time. At this point, they had already enjoyed their last supper. They're about ready to leave. 
And Jesus says to them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you didn't have any money, you didn't have a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, everything was provided for us. It was nice. It's easy serving Jesus. (laughs) He says, but now take your money and a traveler's bag. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. For he was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. So what Jesus is saying here is, listen, my time with you is coming to an end. It's about to get really hard for you. You need to be prepared. You may have to defend yourself. Let's move on to the next scripture. But let's see what happens after they left the upper room. Luke and Matthew both talk about this scene. Luke says, And one of them struck at the high priest's slave. This is when Jesus is getting arrested. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. They'd been praying, most of them. Some of them fell asleep. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and the bad guys showed up, right? The bad guys showed up to arrest Jesus. One of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed it. That's Luke. Matthew says it this way. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. And Jesus says, put away your sword. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. And that is oftentimes where folks stop reading when they're trying to wrap scripture around their truth. When they're trying to justify what they already believe. We can't do it that way. We've got to follow on to the next set of verses here. Jesus goes on to say, don't you realize that I could ask my father for a thousand of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did that, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen? Jesus wasn't condemning protection by a weapon. Jesus was saying, you've got to use it wisely. And that disciple did not. Jesus told them that he would be turned over to his enemies. And when that happened, one of those disciples acted in haste. He acted out of flesh. He tried to be a hero. And that wasn't what he was supposed to do. That is why he was rebuked. I want to make sure everybody understands that here at Elevation Community Church, we follow the law to the letter. And I want to make sure that our flock understands that it is illegal to carry a firearm in a church building in the state of Ohio unless you are approved by the elder board. So I want to make sure everybody knows that because I don't want anybody in here getting in any kind of legal trouble. Okay? That's, that's, that, would, that would grieve me if that happened. A lot of times things happen out of ignorance of the law. And I want to make sure that we know what the law says. Another thing that our safety team does in practice and preparation is, is trainings and drills for various kinds of emergency situations. I've been a public school teacher for 19 years, and we have a fire drill every month. There hasn't been a fatality in a fire in a, in a school building since 1950-something. It's good. Those are good stats. 
Part of that is because of the preparation. So at some point, and at this, at this time, if the worship team would come back up, at some point, uh, we are going to practice an evacuation drill. Not today. It's going to be later on in the year when it's nice and warm out. We're going to practice an evacuation drill. Um, again, not, not out of fear or panic creation, but because if we do need to, we want everybody to know what to do. I think that's really important. If we didn't prepare and we had to evacuate and people got hurt in the process of evacuation because they didn't know the proper procedures, man, I would just feel awful. I would feel awful. One detail of that that it's really important that you parents know before we get to practice for this is the eKids volunteers are going to be and are highly trained in evacuations. So I know mama bears and papa bears, I understand that when danger comes, first thing you want to do is get your babies. I can't fault you for that. But I'm asking you to trust us, kind of requiring it. The narrow hallway that connects the sanctuary to the e-kids area, and if all the parents try to flood down that hallway, people are going to get hurt bad. And they're going to get in the way of the procedures that we have in place to protect your babies. We don't take this responsibility lightly. We're all shepherds here. We know the responsibilities that a shepherd has. And you don't know to trust us unless we have these conversations that typically don't happen inside of a church. But they need to. We've got to be transparent. If we do need to evacuate between now and the drill, go outside and trust that we are getting your babies, those outside doors, across the parking lot into the grassy area. That is where we want you to reconnect with your babies. They'll be there safe. I've got a ton of faith in our volunteers. Thy will be done. Folks, I want to thank you for listening to this message. That was, was challenging to prepare. It felt like a seminar. Preparation for it felt like a seminar. I hope it didn't feel like that from where you were sitting. Shepherding's so important. It's a lot of responsibility that goes with it. You don't need to know everything that we do behind the scenes, but just know that we love you and we care about you. And it's 100% on our hearts to provide you with a safe and comfortable worship experience. Join me as I pray us out. God, we love you. And we trust you with the most tender ones. God, some of us, you've made caretakers. Some of us, you've made warriors. Some of us, you've put somewhere in between. That's how you made us. You've given us all gifts. Not gifts of our flesh. The gifts that you've given to us with the purposes of honoring you with it. And that's all we're seeking to do here. God, we're grateful for this barn that we keep the flock in. We're grateful for being able to do it comfortably. God bless the flock as we go today until we meet again. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, 
please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.